So we're going to get started. Hi, welcome back to Part of the Story. I'm your host, Claire Brown, and today we have a new guest co-host. So this week we welcome Mary Medinsky to Part of the Story as a new guest co-host. You may remember Mary from her first appearance on the podcast a few weeks ago. Mary is a an agriculture college administrator, a champion of lifelong learning, and as some of you may know, my sister. So welcome, Mary. We're very excited to have you here for a bit. Thanks. I'm excited to be here um, in a temporary capacity supporting this great podcast that you're, you're, and community that you're cultivating here. Awesome. Great. Today, we welcome Steve Kwasney, and he is a management consultant focusing on uh, public and regulatory affairs, which he assures us is not nearly as boring as it sounds. So welcome, Steve. Thank you for joining the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And uh, I I like that you provided us with the caveat that it isn't as boring as it sounds, because I think you're definitely one of the most dynamic individuals that I've ever met. So I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation with you today. (laughs) Oh, that's it. set the bar high hey okay i was gonna say like yeah no you better live up to the expectations Uh, everyone listening can just stop now and uh that's uh, as good as it's gonna get so today we're talking about different learning opportunities that people can maybe avail themselves of during this quarantine time both formally and informally and as always, we will finish with our reading, watching, listening to with two new guests, Mary and Steve. So it'll be great today. So Mary, do you want to start us off? What are you thinking? Yeah, sure. So I'll start off with a couple of formal learning opportunities that um, I'm pretty excited about. Um, one that I've been participating in and then one that is upcoming. Um, so I think many people have heard of the have heard the term MOOC. And these are the massive um, open online courses. Uh, this term was uh, super popular in post-secondary for a couple of years and then fell rapidly out of favor as a as a as nomenclature. But it doesn't mean that that um, that that concept went away. Um, so Coursera is a site uh, that hosts um, many, many examples of these massive open online courses. Um, but the courses themselves are owned by different institutions. Uh, so I think uh, a couple of weeks ago, Shakira had posted that she uh, had completed oh, yeah, an, ancient, yeah, yeah. an ancient philosophy class through, I think it was Penn State or someplace like that. And people just thought that was really neat. Um, and like the platform that she would have used to complete that course um, would have been a, a platform like Coursera. So Coursera has two different options. Um, you can, you know, pay and take the course and actually get the credential, or you can do what I do, which is never pay. Um, so you <laughs> never actually get the, uh, <laughs> that's terrible being somebody that works in higher ed, um, or you can never pay and then you can just get the learning. And so an example of a course um, that I've talked about quite a bit is uh, the science of well-being. Um, And so I think that this is, you know, really important right now. And so Dr. Lori Santos, she's at uh, Yale University. Um, She has a podcast that I adore called The Happiness Lab, and she's offering a massive open online course uh, through Coursera um, called The Science of Wellbeing. And so what it does is it forces a great examination, um, you know, using science uh, onto our own lives and ways that we can be happier. And I think that we've all heard a lot of the, you know, um, recommendations of like, be grateful and you'll be happier. It's (laughs) not super useful to tell someone to be grateful. But what I love about this course is she um, tells you how to do that. So how do we practice gratitude while we can, you know, write down the things that made us happy in a day 
or we can pass along, you know, goodwill to others through doing, you know, small gestures or, you know, acts of kindness. And so it really sounds um, super fluffy, um, <laughs> but it isn't. And because I don't like anything fluffy as, as people are, are very aware, but I am, you know, pretty deeply connected to um, my emotions and how I use those emotions to connect with people. And what I found is at the beginning of this, I really, I was losing myself a little bit and I couldn't um, function like any of us, right? I don't think this yeah. is unique to me. I, I didn't function in the way that I normally would, especially in, in how I relate to people. Um, but I did find that through some of the activities in the course, and she has a little app that goes with it. So you can like track your happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, doesn't that make you like a little bit nervous? I, anytime you track something, I'm like, well, I didn't do as good as I did yesterday. Or like, do you know what I mean? Like, does it make you more anxious to track your happiness progress? No, not at all. I, I'm an achiever, so I know I'm going to do better every day than I did the day before. Oh, uh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, what what a take. Also, it makes you work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, you know, um, but I think that that's the thing, right? Is if you can kind of compete with yourself and that's, you know, co- competition is something <laughs> is that, that drives you. Had, it is. I had a totally different <laughs> angle to that that I had considered when you were explaining that. <laughs> That it was like, oh, yeah, I mean, you it might drive some uncomfortableness, but it forces some reflection, not like, this is all, <laughs> life's a video game, and you need to beat the next level. Um, the yeah, gamification of life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so um, clearly different people. Can you, yeah, can you Cors- spell Coursera for people, Cors- though, Mary? Sorry? Can you spell Cors- uh, Coursera for oh, people? Oh, yeah, you bet. C-O-U-R. S-E-A-R. And again, okay. there's many different options across the platform. Some are free and some are not. Um, but there's definitely a free option of basically anything you might want to learn, but not okay. necessarily from the institution you might want to learn. That you're interested. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So when you like when you're doing your happiness lab mm-hmm. course, <laughs> is it live? Like, do you have like Zoom meetings or is it like prepared weekly sort of uh courses that you work through during the week like how how is yours set up oh gosh no um if I had to be in another video um (laughs) synchronous video meeting in my day I would definitely not be participating in the course okay um it is asynchronous and so you can catch up kind of anytime what I've really uh, made a habit of is Monday while I'm cooking dinner um, I'll set my laptop up in the kitchen um you know get a drink start prepping dinner and listen to Lori's lectures. Um, I'm being a little bit slack on the actual coursework, but the great thing is, is that it doesn't matter. Um, Right. (laughs) No one's marking it. It's not even pass fail. Yeah, exactly. So I'm (laughs) using the app and then I'm participating in her lectures. And it's quite funny because she has actual college students um, being videoed as part of the lectures and and anybody that's worked with college age students really recognizes the the hilarity of her trying to elicit like an excited reaction from them <laughs> um, when she makes her you know big discoveries and uh, they do not react that way which is just an extra joy of the of participating in the course is just knowing you know that we've been there as an educator and had that very unexcited uh, room in front of us um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so is that how you like you found out this particular course because of the podcast you listen to or it's just happy coincidence that you just sort of found it yeah so um I follow Lori my friend Lori on Twitter who I've interacted yeah. with um <laughs> she's so best friends obviously. Of the course, yeah. <laughs> um and she had posted about it and then I saw a few news articles about it and then I shared it um and then folks were, were pretty interested in that so um, that's how I first found out about it. But if you actually go to the Coursera website, it's pretty easy to navigate. Um, you can log in with Facebook, which I know that there's many thoughts about that. But I yeah. logged in with Facebook because convenience. It was convenient for me <laughs> at that time, yeah. um, and have and bounced around in there. And uh, yeah, so that would be kind of my first recommendation on a formal learning opportunity to participate in during this this interesting time that we are in. Yeah, very much. Do you have any? particular formal learning opportunities that you've been diving into Steve or that you know about uh you know I um it's probably the the intersection maybe of uh of, uh formal and, and informal but I've been spending a, a decent amount of time catching up on like various like industry associations webinars which again I just feel like I'm coming across that the sounds nerdiest... like so much fun <laughs> <laughs> um but I was finding interesting like I like to get stuff right from right from the horse's mouth and uh, you know to have you know the chief economist for so and so to to talk about something or you know what's keeping different industries or different uh groups up at night is uh, is interesting and what i've liked about it is I mean, these things used to be behind the cover of you know 200 lunches like chamber of commerce lunches or you know 150 yeah. breakfasts and mm-hmm. and now you know you just watch them um and so uh, that's that's been more my approach. I mean, it hasn't been as course based or as competitive as as Mary's, <laughs> even self competitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just more the joy of learning kind of thing. Um, okay, okay. Um, no, I uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's that's more where I I've taken. It. Although there have been I'm there have been a number of courses I've seen. I saw the U of A, the University of Alberta has. Uh, an agriculture, like sort of a food system course that looked quite interesting uh, and a number of others. Oh. So I might, I've been quite busy with work, so I haven't had quite the time to dive into one, but there's a few that I've got my eye on that I would come back to as things uh, slow down for sure. Yeah, that U of A one caught my eye as well. Um, so it's about, uh, it's COVID-19 and the economics of world food and agriculture. And uh, I think, you know, Steve, like you were saying, obviously, it's a very timely topic. And I think something that people for maybe the first time in our lives, people have felt, um, you know, in our privileged lives, I should say, um, quite food insecure, just the nervousness of going to the grocery store, seeing the empty shelves, hearing the stories. Um, I think that there's a lot of interest in that in that area for sure. So yeah, Steve, I'm definitely interested in that one too. Um, can I ask you a question? So when you're talking about these great webinars, how are you finding them? How are you able to access them for folks? Yeah, you know, I it's a, it's it's interesting. I I've come to realize that every niche in the universe has an association. <laughs> so if you if you just type any noun plus association into Google, uh, <laughs> you'll tend to find something. So um, I happen, I found myself, again, you, I can hear you roll your eyes as I say this, uh, but the um, like the uh, Canadian Association of Business e- uh, Economists uh, had some really neat ones this week um, that I just, ha- I happened to be on their website. I was trying to find some stats about something else for work. 
saw that they had uh, a series of webinars that they were free. Um, so one was the parliamentary budget officer talking about what impact has this had on you know the Canadian budget, you know, Canada's federal budget. And the other one was uh, the chief economist for Scotiabank or a senior economist for Scotiabank, I should say, uh, talking about the impacts of, of COVID on, uh, on the, uh, the province of Alberta. You know, mm. Yeah, so which were, were quite interesting. Um, you know, mo- there's been a ton, there's a ton of companies doing it. Uh, I feel like you can't sneeze on LinkedIn without seeing uh, all these different, uh, all these different <laughs> webinar opportunities. That. Maybe that's just my, yeah. my own little LinkedIn bubble. But if you're not seeing that, I mean, seek out the, the industries that you find most interesting. I mean, um, everything from like, this is a fast, you were just talking about the food system, but one of the other sides of agriculture that has been really impacted by this is, is horticulture and, and, like the floral industry is fascinating and and there's some neat stuff that that they're talking about out there and um, I haven't watched one of their webinars specifically and I, but I think for folks that are interested in anything this is a time where there's there's information about everything yeah so basically curiosity can just drive you to where yeah and a to healthy be. google habit for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been interesting seeing all the um, associations. Landscape Alberta is one that uh, I'm familiar with from, you know, work related reasons. But, you know, industries that you wouldn't expect to have, you know, very large arms talking to government, producing information, connecting with their members that, you know, are somewhat invisible most of the time. But you're right. Like right now, everybody is pumping information out and it's kind of in everybody's best interest to be sharing you know, why they're relevant, why consumers should trust them, um, you know, why government should consider them essential, even in some cases. So yeah. I think that's a that's a really interesting comment for sure. Um, so folks, if you haven't joined LinkedIn, well, this is, do <laughs> not right. take this as an endorsement of LinkedIn. No. <laughs> I'm very clear about that. No, I, I like LinkedIn. I use it for this very specific purpose, but um, I don't want somebody to be like, mm-hmm. well, Stephen said to go on LinkedIn and it's... <laughs> And now I'm seeing none of the webinars. And it's just like <laughs> daily requests from people you've never heard of wondering what's going on. Um, trying to sell you things that you clearly don't need to buy. Anyway, maybe that's just my experience. That's funny. And LinkedIn is one that I actually get pretty picky on. And if I, if you're not in an industry that I'm affiliated with, or I personally know you, there is no way in heck I want to see your motivational post today. Like 100%. I almost never log into LinkedIn. Sometimes <laughs> I get emails from LinkedIn saying, do you remember how you have an account at, on LinkedIn? What if you signed up and we see you again? But what if I don't though? Like, <laughs> yeah. So Claire, what about you? Any formal learning opportunities that you've been able to take advantage of or things that you've seen that have caught your eye? Um, yes and no. I'm not a personally competitive person except for when it did come to duolingo when i did get angry about my streak being ruined oh, i've been all about duolingo but... <laughs> yeah but that's not a formal opportunity um but actually today i noticed interestingly um the i'm gonna butcher the name now like the canadian indigenous association indigenous persons association something along those lines, is oper- are offering uh, Cree language. Uh, through Edmonton courses. Public Library. Yeah, through Edmonton Public Library. Yeah. And it's free to anyone. You don't have to be an Edmonton Public Library member if you're interested in the courses. And they run like this month and next month 
And uh, I just thought that that was really interesting because I think that's something that a lot of people probably wouldn't think about. Like, oh, I can learn this language and I can do it through like a library like EPL, for example. And it's, you don't get accreditation for it, but you do get this formal learning opportunity from like, you know, for free. So it's kind of cool. But yeah, I'm more of a informal learner because I don't like being told what to learn. And I only want to look at what I want to look at. That's bad, I know. <laughs> it's very bad. But I feel like I could have been a professional student. And I like tried that you to, say um... that like you're not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, let's not forget that, that I somehow became that anyway. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, you've designed your life around either working in schools or informally being like, in school. Somehow I could fun. do this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we not are for not everyone. We are not the same. Mm-hmm. I like I like finding something that I'm obsessed with and then being so obsessed with it that I find out everything I can about that thing and then moving on to that next thing. That oh. like it's just informal learning. I just skip from one thing to the next. Sounds my level, like uh, Stephen Crosby, very much. for sure. <laughs> well, my level, yeah, my level of nerd is high. I recently rediscovered my ancient Egypt notebook because I was studying on my own making copious <laughs> meticulous notes on ancient Egypt when I was 16 years old. If you want to know how my high school experience went, there we are. Um, So it's basically been that for 20 years now. So there we go. I like an informal learning experience. No, and I think that's totally fair. Um, I'm not sure if I would qualify this as uh, formal or informal. I think it's sort of somewhere in the middle. I am a big fan of newsletters. Um, So I know that sometimes people's email is out of control and mine definitely is, but with a good sorting system, you can maximize um, your, you know, your access to information in a way that doesn't feel completely overwhelming when you wake up in the morning and check. Um, one of my very favorite ones, and I think it's still kind of a growing one. It's called morning brew. I don't know if either of you have uh, have heard of it. It's a business uh, newsletter. Uh, recently, um, th- through some changes in my in my job, it became kind of important that I reconnect um, with the sort of more business aspects of life. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a really good one because what it does is it's like it's business news with you know a quick stock market update at the top. Today, everything was green, including oil, <laughs> so that was good. I um, mean, green rel- green is relative <laughs> in this case. Like let's. Green is that we are not currently experiencing yeah, a colossal collapse. Yeah. It's been really yeah. red up there, though. It's been really, really it's red really up there. Red. So today, seeing green, I was like, huh, this, I feel comforted. This green mean like an Alberta <laughs> Securities Commission like disclaimer. Don't take Mary's no. uh, stock advice. Like, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do yeah. not take anything I say yeah. and invest your money about it. <laughs> it's okay. Everything's green. <laughs> we only Disclaimer. know about greens and reds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's green. Go nuts. Um, no, but the newsletter itself, it's quite, it's very humorous. Um, and it, so it starts with the green, like this kind of the a NASDAQ, uh, Dow Jones, oil, gold, like just the kind of the basic things the that classics, people might be yeah. interested in. Yeah, the classics, um, things that people with a very marginable, marginal level of stock market understanding can be like, I know what that is. Cool. Cool. Um, (laughs) Oil. Neat. Yeah. Um, And then it provides um, sort of 
a few different business stories that maybe happened in the past 24 hours that might be of interest. Um, some interesting information about it's more like North American and highly, you know, US based, but then some international information, um, followed by a few like spot the fake headline. Um, and the reason I mentioned that is I just I think right now more than ever, um, and I've promised that I would stop saying now more than ever. Unprecedented. Yes, I say it all day. Um, we're gonna circle back to that. Um it's, uh, it's really good to kind of check people in their own, like, oh, that actually, like, I, I'm, even me who thinks they're so clever, can't always discern a fake headline from a, from a real news headline in, in uh, quotation marks. Yeah. And so it's just a nice little, like, gut check of like, oh, yeah, okay, it's important that we evaluate information critically now more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then kind of can provide some, like, sports or pop culture information, but it's one that's incredibly easy to digest, contains information that, you know, is highly relevant to anyone that has any money that's sitting anywhere outside of underneath your bed. Um, <laughs> Mary, do that is now your, yeah. is I your, wish like, that I did. This is Mar Mar Mary Medinsky, certified financial analyst. Like, <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's getting dangerous. Do not see the podcast, no. please. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think it's it's good, um, approachable information on a topic that for many of us who don't have that background, um, but want to, you know, start kind of trying to understand the business world a little bit more. Um, it's a very accessible way to do that. And it knows that that's its job, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So highly recommend that one. It's every day including Saturday and I even read it on Saturday mornings because it's just that interesting and, and fun so that's one that I that I definitely recommend um, but I think newsletters are a very underrated resource in any industry I you know I subscribe to many higher ed ones obviously because that's my my industry and I think um, you know people are leaving leaving ideas on the table when they, you know, don't seek out those sorts of very accessible, very free um, yeah. items to uh, to just, you know, even quickly skim to get a sense of like what the heck's happening today in my industry or in my area of interest. That's very true, and there are so many opportunities in in any. Again, you probably Google whatever a newsletter. I mean, probably try to vet the newsletter a little bit before you subscribe. Mm -hmm. But you can probably find it on any uh, topic that you're interested in or, or any like vocation or, you know, whatever. For sure. When so, I used to present a lot on like teen trends, I subscribed to a ton of newsletters that just talked about what teens were into. <laughs> like, you know, it really, because <laughs> obviously I was too old at that point to know what teens are into oh, it's still young enough TikTok, that i was man. credible just subscribe for tiktok yeah <laughs> that's my work research no i'm just kidding yeah claire but... sends me tiktok so that's my informal learning on <laughs> teen culture i do i like just as an aside i still i've been on tiktok for most of this quarantine period now because like most millennials you have a little extra time to do some scrolling and I don't follow a lot of things on Instagram, so it doesn't refresh enough for me. So anywho, TikTok <laughs> it is. I don't understand TikTok. I don't, like, I don't understand its purpose. 
I don't understand how people would find what they were interested in. I enjoy the for you page, but again, I don't know how they're deciding what no, is I, for me. I I, I cannot wait for it. some like internet archaeologist in fifty years to be like, <laughs> yeah. And then these guys were all locked at home uh, for sixty days, and this and is what like control. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa, and we've got. We've got TikTok <laughs> dances, which is, you know, I mean, masterpiece is a masterpiece, but uh, it's, I can't wait. I can't wait for people to look I back just, on this. I don't understand. The Library of Congress actually has archivists right now archiving memes. Instagram memes related yep. to COVID as part of like what they want the future people. I don't think they're curating it. I think I you know. should just throw it all out there i know this is a total aside from the topic of the podcast but like i i'm gonna go out on a limb to say the kinds of people that would be archivists uh in the library of congress are maybe, not, maybe not grabbing a representative sample of some of the great memes like there's some you know, there's some fire memes that are just gonna gonna go unappreciated just meet a sort of an academic standard of of archival quality uh you That's better true. keep this some is, fire meme time capsule then, and you're going to be personally this responsible is a for some soapbox I didn't even know I owned until. Just... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so timely. So Where timely. I... <laughs> oh man, yeah. So on the topic of newsletters, I like ATBs, uh, Alberta Treasury <laughs> Branches, although they they don't call themselves that anymore. Uh, the Owl uh, is a really good one. Really good one. Oh. Um, done by uh, Todd Hirsch, their chief economist, who's a very accessible writer, uh, very accessible speaker, and can describe uh, economic trends and analysis quite quite effectively and, and accessibly, in my opinion. So that's a good one I like. And then I follow a bunch of... Actually, one of the other things, and uh, it's not so much a newsletter as much, but uh, a lot of daily summaries from news agencies, so like Bloomberg, CBC politics, the Hill Times, whole bunch of those. I get those kind of distilled right into my inbox. So I don't have to go digging through websites, but just get their top stories. Um, Bloomberg's daily? and uh, CBC politics are. Um, yeah, the and, and the owl is too, actually. It's uh, it's every day. And then they do like a quarterly publication, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, CBC has a morning brief as well that I enjoy. And so it tells you the top stories, which are all super depressing. <laughs> um, but if you scroll down, they have a great like today in history. <laughs> which may or may not be better than today in present. Yeah, and right now it's honestly all better. <laughs> um, but it's it's nice too, because I think, yeah, like Steve said, like to go through news websites and distill content that you might be interested in just isn't something that many of us have time to do or desire to do right now. Yeah. Um, so these, you know, these, per these newsletters that provide those highlights, let people kind of feel connected to the world um, without, you know, all the emotional labor of combing through these websites for, for things. And so um, I have, I have to give CBC props though. They are trying to be less depressing by including like little good news <laughs> um, snippets um but I, I must say my favorite part right now is the today in history just to kind of help ground us in the fact that you know history is long this and too, will pass yeah. yes and this too shall pass and this too shall be a today in history 
um, for people to get to read about um, in the near future. And our today in history, like 20 years from now, could be some kind of meme. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, some boring today in history. history. This viral TikTok dance. Yeah, (laughs) boring academic memes. The memes are for the people. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's true. What are you going to say? It's true. Oh, man. All right. Well, all of that um, sounds like some pretty good yeah. formal-ish learning opportunities. Yeah, we really <laughs> Did anybody have, <laughs> Did anybody, <laughs> I like Did anybody have some last, <laughs> last items that they wanted to share before we transition to chat about some more informal um, opportunities to learn? No, informal is where I thrive. I'm ready. All right. As we were saying informal learning opportunities, let's call them, are my favorite type of learning opportunities. You can tell Mary and I have very different personalities when it comes to that. Mary likes to be graded and measure her progress. I like to just be curious. Mary likes to win. Yes, (laughs) that's true. It's not about progress. It's about winning and losing. It It served me well, okay? It's been okay for you. I will agree with that. But it also means that sometimes risk games get thrown out on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So... that. <laughs> yeah, Mary and I, we... Like, the only time I'm competitive, basically, and this can, like, we're going to just make this public for two seconds, because everyone understands... Well, everyone with siblings understands siblings. And Mary and I, for those who don't know, are extremely close in age. She is 14 months my senior. So as you can imagine... Um, there's you know an inherent competitiveness just that things that happen and I feel like nothing comes out more than when the game of risk is in play and a Christmas a few years ago Mary and I got a little too deep in that risk game and it was determined by our mother that it was going in the garbage (laughs) yes Merry Christmas to all (laughs) yeah so that's a thing that happens but generally speaking not competitive even with myself um so informal learning I like just being curious finding out something and then just being like look at this thing that I found out and I feel like because I saw your Twitter thread (laughs) Mr. Stephen Quatsy uh you might identify as a similar type of learner uh you want to get in a little bit to to your Twitter threads you give a little background for people who maybe have missed it what the Twitter thread was about and and how deep you got in there so uh, this is the Graham Cracker Twitter thread? Yes. So, yep. um, yeah, I I have a problem. Uh, and that problem uh, is made worse by access to things like um, Wikipedia. So, uh, essentially what happened, long story short, I get very curious about ordinary things. The more ordinary the thing, the more I want to know more about it. Like, um. And so I opened my pantry, saw graham crackers, was like, I wonder why they're called graham crackers. Well, <laughs> what a wild ride. Um, I lost an hour of my life to that. Um, but what a time. Uh, the history of graham crackers. And then you summarized it so beautifully for everybody on Twitter that took far less than an hour for us to read. Yeah. You know, I to, to, well, I was just like, this is. People need to know this. The graham cracker was the original fad food, and uh, and it, and it's tied like the 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 religious ties between breakfast cereal and <laughs> um, 
and the Seventh Day Adventist Church and 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 different and vegetarianism and all this stuff. I was like, I was reading this. And I was like, this is. I don't. I don't even know. I this, this <laughs> is my. This was my like all the president's men. Like this was my my. my <laughs> I was Bob Woodward. Like, I. I've nailed it. Uh, the people must. The people be must people know. know. What's the, yeah? What's the from the. Yeah, the uh, they knew. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. That's my. That was me. Spotlight. Yeah. Oh, that's with. Um, yeah, that was me. Except for it was not an important topic. Graham <laughs> crackers and the history thereof, and and just cereals generally. Um, I dabbled in that. Yeah, I. So I. Anyway, to bring it back, I completely agree with you. Um, professionally, this is a lot of what I do, not about graham crackers, but um, no? what I, although you'd be surprised, you would be, um, I saw a line about, so I'm a, for those folks that are listening to this, that don't know who I am, which I would expect none of you to, um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I did have part of my career was spent as a, as a political staffer. Um, so you can boo now, uh, <laughs> But one of the things that I, I was taught in that world is that the, the, in order to be successful in, in that job, you have to be a generalist that excels in temporary specialization. That was the way that it was described to me. And in management consulting, it's not that different. It's very similar. So, you know, developed a real muscle, I think, for um, digging into a topic really quickly, learning as much as I can about that thing. Um, and, and 99% of the time, everything's interesting. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, and there's so much, if you look closely enough. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, in this case it was graham crackers, but, uh, and what's your Twitter name just so people can find you and, and read that beautiful thread. Uh, so it's at Steve Kwasney because I'm real creative. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like A-W-A-S-N-Y. Um, lots of people can yeah. slide an E in there. I feel like I've been guilty of that. Yeah. And, what, and I've sliding, been writing out your name all day. Sliding an E? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've been adding an E. And then I feel like I looked and I was like, that's wrong. It's wrong. And that's why I asked you to say it now, because I did not want to spell it out loud <laughs> for people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, because I find, you know, in my job, like I had a, um, a pretty significant career change about four years ago. And it's those same skills that kind of come into play, but not not at the same um, speed as a management consultant or a political staffer. Um, but, you know, being thrown into an environment where um, I was working with professions that I knew absolutely nothing about um, and in a very short time had to kind of garner quite a bit of information um, on. And I think I can't even imagine folks that need to do that every day with different topics. Like yeah. now I kind of have my set, you know, things that I need to know about. And that pot is, you know, is still small and can, you know, the, the learning grows, but the topics kind of stay the same. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it blows my mind, you know, in conversations that I have with Claire, you, as well as with Steve, how, how much new information that you're constantly um, surrounding yourselves with. And I just, I think that's a really cool, cool trait. And I think right now, you know, if people have the emotional space, like it is the mm -hmm. time to explore that topic that you, you just never, that you were always curious about, but that you never really, you know, looked into in a serious way. Well, and it can be quite diverting. Like, 
I don't know. The first thing that just came to my mind right now, and I don't know why, because it's not like I'm going to start doing this. But like, if you're super into beluga whales, mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from. You could really get into beluga whales, <laughs> and it's like it's diverting, and it can be somewhat like a form of meditation because you're like reading facts, and you can be writing notes, and you can just like be pouring focus and attention into one space that you know doesn't matter except for like to the beluga whales i'm sure they they care that you care but like you could be doing the whales care that you care i feel like they could i don't know they're emotional creatures i yeah i want to believe but like if you're getting Um, well yeah like get deep into it maybe they do have emotional awareness we don't know so like let's get right into it but it could be any single topic and it doesn't necessarily have to do with your job or what you you know are you know normally interested in or whatever it doesn't have to necessarily help you grow as a particular person it can just be something to sort of divert your attention and to help you focus I don't know if you guys have been the same and we're all lucky that we've been able to you know stay employed and continue to work and and all that kind of stuff but I find focusing to be an issue now and again I don't know like I haven't been able to watch a tv show which doesn't mean anything but like normally if you're interested then you're just like binging right so my focus has been weird I'm a huge reader my focus has been weird with that too but when it comes to like listening to podcasts or other things like I find that my focus my focus is better so during times of like upheaval you have to find something that can sort of as you were saying before Mary sort of like ground you so that you can navigate from one day to the next And I think informal learning offers that because it can be any topic that you're interested in. And maybe you're interested in one topic today and something else tomorrow. And that's fine too. (laughs) I'm going to make a really weird segue from that, but it's, it, it works. I promise. Just uh, bear with me. Um, there's a trend on Instagram right now that I, and I'm, I, I don't, I, I don't mean trend in a pejorative way at all um, around kind of this community scholar idea. And so this is the idea that, um, you know, people who aren't affiliated with academic institutions can still be scholars in their field. And I think, you know, that's a that's a bold idea. And Instagram has created a really cool space for that. And now, you know, the the accounts that I'm following aren't on Beluga Whales. Uh, <laughs> it could be. I'm going to start one. But, um, you know, I, there's a, there's a woman that I follow. Her name is Liz Kleinrock and her, um, Instagram, uh, handle is teach and transform. And she's a community scholar, a former teacher with LA public schools who Mm -hmm. talks a lot about kids and race. And, you know, she is just such an inspiration in the, in, in the kind of information that she provides, the, the content she provides, the different thought provoking, um, uh, you know, brain teasing thoughts that she's offering. And, you know, you just think that the really like the definition of, you know, a formal scholar or a, you know, a university affiliated scholar is, is really changing. And so I think, you know, if somebody is passionate about something and they have the background to, um, you know, to back it up and to, you know, to become credible, just because you're not affiliated with like a traditional institution doesn't mean that you can't kind of start these spaces of you know community-based scholarship and it's sort of this this interesting like equalization of this ability to you know deep dive in a topic 
um, without that, you know, institutional, institutional background. And I, and Instagram is a really cool space for that. And I think, um, you know, she's definitely one of my favorite um, community scholars and has really emboldened me um, to, to think differently and to, and to talk differently about race, you know, with my own stepchild and also with, you know, instructors and at, at our institution. So I've used this, you know, community-based scholarship to really, you know, inform a position. So it's, it's super informal learning, but it's still highly credible, highly interesting. And, you know, I've really adopted it into part of, you know, what I'm trying to, you know, represent in my own life. Um, and this is sort of the first time in history that people can really do that because sharing of information is so much easier than it's ever been absolutely so mary knows that my favorite game is that when somebody says this is the first time in history something could happen i go oh no (laughs) (laughs) i mean i I would say that i made the joke about soapboxes earlier the whole concept of the soapbox was that public intellectuals would go (laughs) into uh into the park and 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 spread their message right and like and and, and have yeah. that conversation. And I, I mean, I do think it's, it's more accessible. We have more avenues for that. That also means we have more avenues um, for people that aren't credible to do the same. Uh, is an extension yeah. of things that people have always done, um, you know, seeking thought leadership. Um, and I, I mean, it's a neat example. And I kind of chuckle as you describe it, because you describe it in a very advanced, you know, post-secondary kind of way. It's <laughs> not just like smart people. Um, <laughs> smart people who know how to yeah, like, you know, the, the, their corporate, uh, yeah. the corporate term we would use is to call them thought leaders um, right but it's uh it's it's very much the same thing and everybody looks at it in in a different way but um you know i i think it, it, one of the nice parts of informal education that people have a tough time wrapping their head around is that it's informal and you don't necessarily have to label mm-hmm. it. Not everybody has to be an expert all the time. It's kind of what makes the internet work well is you just have to, you know, you know, in order for Reddit to be funny, no one person has to be funny all the time. Everyone just has to be funny once. Um, right. And there's sort of opportunity <laughs> for that, um, that kind of, in, in, whatever you want to call it, like thought leadership or whatever in, in that space. But I just couldn't let Mary have that. And... <laughs> No, and I, and you know, it's funny. As soon as I said it, I was like, I'm not going to get away with this. Um, <laughs> this is somebody standing on a soapbox in the park. Um, but no, and I think it's really, and it, that's where it begins to get a bit tricky, right? And um, I think that's why it's so critical that in, you know, as we're looking at, you know, what K-12 educators are going through, um, you know, what post-secondary educators are going through is, you know, it really gives us a chance to think about education. What are the like really important skills that we need people to be walking away from their, you know, their K-12 or their higher education? And I think one of those things is the ability to critically evaluate, you know, the pile of information that's coming at them all the time, um, yeah. you know, because of all these community scholars or thought leaders or smart people or whatever, <laughs> word, you know, we want to use, I think that there's some that are, you know, maybe a little less credible than others. And, and some of those less credible folks have really powerful messages. So it can be really challenging to, to discern what's sort of worth our, you know, worth our informal learning attention and what isn't. 
Yeah, and there's definitely like a bit of a fast food problem there too, where it's like sometimes the less credible stuff tastes the best, right? Like, and it's it feels good because it's what you want to hear. And I mean, hey, I don't get me wrong. We we've all we've all gone through it. We all we all deal with that. Um, But it's definitely like I I know I've put some kind of my own rules in place um, before I react to a news article or something about what I'll do to sort of ensure credibility, check against some of that stuff. Um, and partly it's because I have to do so much of that professionally um, that I've had to build some habits around it. But it is definitely a thing that, you know, everyone everyone has that uncle on Facebook that just says mm. the craziest stuff. And the worst is not even just that he's saying it, that there's people in the comments agreeing. Um, to my uncle, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Um, but but I know it's uh, it's one of those things that exists. But. For sure. And it's, it's, and I think it's so critical that we come at folks without judgment. And this is hard for me because people that know me know that I'm like one of the most judgmental people <laughs> on the planet. Um, but I'm really like, I think, and maybe this is part of my personal work that I've been doing um, as part of the, the science of well-being is really, you know, trying to be empathetic towards towards folks that are grasping at some of these fast food messages and recognizing that, you know, you know, I come from a position of extreme privilege and it's, you know, not everybody has that same, that same background. And I think how we approach people compassionately about the information that they're um, digesting and then believing is a, is a critical piece of how we combat misinformation. Now, do I know what that equation is? No, if I did, I would be a very wealthy consultant speaking <laughs> all around the world. But I think it has to start with, um, with a compassionate, empathetic piece and not a mocking, um, a mocking attitude toward it. And, you know, I think the both of you are, are also in that, in that space of, you know, it's not about making fun of people, but how do we, you know, connect with folks so that they, they aren't as easily targeted by some of that really rotten informal information learning that is out there. No, I make right? fun of people first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we talk about this, well, actually. Yeah, um, true. And, and one of the things I, I, and I don't do it often, I don't, like, no, I you know, a firm believer that nobody wins in a Twitter fight. Nobody wins in a Facebook fight. But mm-hmm. occasionally when it's egregious enough, I do feel compelled to step in. Um, and not, <laughs> again, not to put somebody down, but because, so I, I kind of mentioned earlier uh, about some of the things I try and do when I'm reading an article. And, you know, if there's a mention of a report, when I can, I try and go find the report uh, and actually totally. read it right from the yeah. source. And, you know, there was an example a few weeks ago where there was something that had to do with politics and somebody had, had mentioned something online and really the, the summary that they had come to, the conclusion they'd come to was was wildly inaccurate and it was spreading and it was and it right. was people liked the message because it sort of fed a bias. And and I mm-hmm. felt and I just I, I don't like when it's when it's dangerous like that. So I just through their own sources that they referenced pointed out where this was, uh, where this was a problem, but then I had to disengage uh, when people decided that this was actually, or they'd rather just have a, a Twitter fight, and and so you know I, I try to be really respectful about that, but but for me that's when it comes back to the the learning question. You know, news is great to pique your interest about something, but it's not a great way to learn something. Uh, 
Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I think we all learned, you know, at some point in our educational careers that, you know, if a, if a news anchor is referencing a report, you cannot trust what the conclusions that they're making are that yeah. you like, you know, going back to that primary source as undigestible as it is. And I think that the scientific community is doing a lot of self reflection about how undigestible, <laughs> undigestible scholarly communication is because it's such a rampant problem. Um, I think you're hundred percent right. And, and chances are that that person making that wildly, and I, you know, I know what you're talking about, that wildly incorrect um, conclusion um, heard or read that somewhere first. Oh right? yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's not the fault. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not the kind of person that blames the, the media for things and the media has a specific job to do. No, I think, Again, wrapping your head around what is the role of the media is to report things quickly. It's to get news out. It's not necessarily, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, it's to educate to a point, but it's not to, uh, it's not really to teach you uh, about, the, about whatever yeah. it is. And, and it is a good starting point. And it can be, and I do, I consume a lot of news. Um, but generally speaking, I, I don't use that. I don't stop there, um, especially if I'm trying to form an opinion on something. Um, and I think that's where it gets dangerous yeah. is when you when you take a little bit, a little appetizer of information and you decide that's now your opinion. Um, you know, that's that that's where you can it can run into some troubles. But. Particularly oh, when you look at just one news source, if you read one article from one outlet, they're a uh -huh. business. It's a bias. It's inherent. Like you can't like things are true and not true and but things are gray truth and mm -hmm. and gray not truth well, depending on and, and, who and, your and, and, are. so i think that's the same thing. challenge that exists in all forms of learning right like um news or otherwise Absolutely. and yeah you know it's the sort of measure twice cut once philosophy of but when it comes to reading like yeah. you know you should digest a number of different things whether it's podcasts or uh, you know, documentaries, news articles, um, you know, uh, reports, studies, anything that, and there's a ton that's publicly available, and then use that to frame your your thought process. And I know that sounds laborious, and it sounds, um, it sounds time consuming because it because it is. Um, but to me, I'm like, if you're not doing that, um, then you really don't have an informed opinion on something. Um, oh, completely. And humans have a terrible disease and it's called confirmation bias. So what do we love most in this world? Information that confirms something we already well, believe. Yeah. Well, that's, it's like, <laughs> it's the fast food thing, right? It's like this, these are chicken McNuggets. They taste great. Um, and we know that, but the, yeah. the trick is to try, try some other things. And, you know, when it comes to social media, I, I'm pretty deliberate about following people I don't agree with. Um, and it's a frustrating experience, for sure. It's not fun, um, <laughs> but it's it's a thing I feel compelled to do because I want to know what other people are thinking that would that would challenge, you know, my own orthodoxy on things. Because um, without that, then yeah, I mean, life could be pretty simple, um, but it's not necessarily pushing me anywhere. Um, I'm not necessarily really learning. Um, so that's what I, you know, one of the things I try and do is actually be very conscious of like a social media but bubble. Completely. And I, and I think it's, it's challenging, 
to create interest in doing that. Um, I was part of a, of a webinar yesterday that was incredibly interesting um, until the Q&A portion. And so the informational piece of the webinar was excellent. Um, it was, you know, very data driven, um, you know, really good information following into the Q&A where the speaker got to share more of their opinion, it tarnished every piece of information that I heard because their opinion was so misaligned with my, with my opinion. And so I'm not saying that they were right or wrong, but there was just a big misalignment in, in, in opinion, I guess there. And I, I and I think that, that people um, and myself included have to feel really motivated to get over that hump of like, you said something I don't like. So now I disagree with everything that you're saying. Whereas if you practice like Steve was saying, like a really, you know, dynamic social media bubble and, you know, dynamic relationship bubble, you become more and more tolerant to, you know, two different opinions that really, you know, can inform and can make you just, just a more, conscious information and, and that's not to say that all opinions are good opinions like there there are no i, 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 I <laughs> want to be clear about that i'm not like oh we just have to respect everybody and you know, no. no like some people just have terrible opinions um <laughs> absolutely you know and you should you know, seek first to understand but then you know you can also then go there, there are people i unfollow no. on twitter to be like nope uh that's and, yeah, this uh, is one step too far. You know, and I try and challenge myself for that to be like, why? why? Um, but sometimes, I mean, like, yeah, there are just some people with bad opinions out there. People with, um, yeah, we don't need to get too far into that. But uh, but that is a, that is a part to it. And I, and I think, you know, when it comes for me to to informal learning, when we talk about it like that, you know, it's it is a it's a thing I, I strive to do is to sort of challenge. The thought process and not just read one article or watch one documentary and think I know it, um, but rather kind of piece together things and come to my own conclusions through a, a lot of different things. And I, but I also think I want to make a, a plug for one thing that I don't think gets enough love in the world is history. And, and I think people <laughs> need to like it, it's the world is a so much more interesting place when you have a good understanding of history, I'm not even saying I have a great one, but even a, even a, a passing understanding of history, things make a lot more sense. You can kind of predict a little bit, not, not overstating it, but you know, the response to the, the COVID crisis, not to date this podcast or, or timestamp it, but you can, you, can, uh, <laughs> you can tell a bit of what's gonna happen when you have a decent understanding of, well, what happened in, you know, with the SARS uh, crisis, what happened? with the Spanish flu and, yeah. and pull together a bit of like what all of that looked like. And then, you know, it's not having a crystal ball. It's actually just having good books. Like it's, it's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. The nuance of history, um, which I think um, it again comes from an incredibly, you know, privileged place, but um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of. And, and I'll challenge that too, because it's not necessarily just, <laughs> orthodox history right like it's not just and i know i mentioned books but um having a good understanding from your your family about what what things in, in the past have been like or or people that you're working with and, and you're, yeah. there's some 
you know, you know that kind of oral history, not to put too, you know, too much of a, an academic lens on it, can also be really important. Like one of the most, one of the things I love to do the most is when you're talking to people, get a sense of what, where do they come from? What do they, how do they see what's happening? What's been their experience with X, Y, and Z? And use that to inform your own. So it, it's not just a, a formal, well, you know, it's a big H history, like capital H history. It's, it's, it's a bit more fulsome than that. Um, but I think is that part is accessible yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. I like that comment a lot, actually. And, and I think it helps with sort of that recognition that people experience their own life as their own truth. And, you know, we all, as we run into each other as just creatures in this earth, we all see the world in a different view and that view is our own truth. Um, not to very, sound too very you know, postmodern, horrible. <laughs> uh, I've had too much time to like be in meetings and talk and hear the sound of my own voice while watching myself talk because of Google meets. And I'm becoming a little Keep bit coming. strange. I That's think. the verb tense we're using. Okay. Um, no, I, I think, I mean, it's, it, yeah. it is, it is interesting. And it's um, this, um, I, I've long felt that, I mean, certainly that, that concept of something being somebody's truth. And I don't think those are necessarily incompatible thoughts with, you know, you, you experience something one way, somebody else experienced something another, and then there's a set of sort of more quantifiable fact that you can, that you can mm-hmm. use. I mean, I do this a lot in my professional life where I, I work with clients uh, to understand what people's perceptions are of something, how to solve public policy issues or, or those kinds of things. And that's a thing I talk about a lot with them is that you actually need to understand what I call the perception gap in order to actually address some of these challenges. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really critical thing. And, and some people, and I don't think it's mainstream anymore, but I think there is a sense of you know, the quantifiable and the, so the quant- quantitative and the qualitative can't be, can't jive together um, or that one is more important than the other. And to me, they're, they're both quite important. And, and even in the, in the sense of learning, like we just talked about uh, in the case of history, I mean, there's, there's facts and there's, you know, there's this happened on this date. We know that. Uh, but if you asked somebody that was on the front line of Gallipoli, what their experience was versus reading Winston Churchill's volumes on the, on the First World War, you're going to get a yeah. very different perspective, and both of them can be right. I yeah. say that acknowledging that Winston Churchill's is probably yeah, yeah. a little different, but um, but you can both experience things differently, and I think that's a critical part of learning is acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a great that's a great comment applying to sort of um, the social media experience and the informal learning that we're all surrounded by all the time is that, you know, this, that's a certain thing can be unequivocally false, but that, but there's, there's that thing in the middle that could be right for that person at that time um, as well. So I, you know, um, I'm just, I'm excited about, you know, my own growth in this area. Cause I, you know, and, you know, Steve and Claire, you both know me very well um, that I have had a tendency um, in my past to be quite a black and white thinker. Um, and that's, that has definitely evolved in the past little while. And it's really shaping, um, you know, my approach to kind of this 
this particular time in our history. And I, and I'm very curious to see how it will impact my worldview moving forward. So I think I'm going to become a, a, a even more obnoxious to deal with. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Strap in. These first 30 some years have been so easy, I guess. <laughs> I didn't know that I was supposed to have been appreciating them. <laughs> um, can I do a plug on another great informal learning opportunity that's a little bit more lighthearted? Yes, because I want to be lighthearted also. Okay. But I also am going to mention just before you get into it, that when you're thinking about like lifelong learning and learning opportunities, the library actually offers two interesting things. Well, things that I find personally interesting. So um, we have an app or website uh, that we subscribe to called Pronunciator. So if you want to learn a language, even if you want to learn how to speak like a pirate, Mm. you can through Pronunciator. And then Ancestry.com, we have had a subscription to, like the Red Republic Library has for a long time, and you could only access it in the library. But since everything has happened and people are homebound and all that kind of stuff, Ancestry, and it's not just at Red Republic Library. So if you don't have a Red Republic Library card, look to your home library, library. we call them. Um, But Ancestry, if you enter through your library's website, so through rdpl.org, you get Ancestry.com. So you can do all of that historical family research. When you're talking about like different contexts, you can see like your family records or, you know, deep dive right into your records and uh, what you can find, which is really interesting. And I think that goes through summer. It goes through the end of July, I think for sure. But I think it goes through summer. So it's just an interesting opportunity um, in terms of lifelong learning, but it also in terms of just when you're talking about history and context, Like, what if you found out that, you know, your great grandmother, you know, had something to do with the Spanish flu, for example, that's a completely different perspective than what you might have originally thought. So it's just an interesting thing, but you can get into your fun stuff. Good plug, Claire. I appreciate your, (laughs) your, your corporate responsibility there for sure. I do like, I love what we are able to offer at the Mm -hmm. library. And I think a lot of people are availing themselves of our digital resources in ways that they haven't before and also trying digital for the first time mm-hmm. ebooks and and different things like we have consumer reports and all that kind of stuff that people um maybe hadn't made time for or didn't really think about but uh people are using digital resources we've seen in record numbers that we can tell from our website so these are just two sort of i guess smaller known things people know that we do ebooks and and magazines and that sort of thing but these two are sort of special so I just wanted to chat about them yeah no I think I think that's a great point (laughs) and you know shout out to my favorite one of my favorite podcasts 99% Invisible which the only reason I even know about this podcast is because of Steve so I better just cop and say that that's the truth Um, there's a great (laughs) episode about libraries and it's called Palaces for the People and I think right now libraries are finding uh, you know a great a great position for themselves as still being highly relevant, um, even without their physical spaces. And so I think, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think we could do a whole podcast on libraries, but we'll spare Steve from that. The library Um, podcast on the library. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Very. But yeah, Um, libraries are important in ways that are new. Like libraries are constantly changing. When you think about how old, 
the idea of libraries are they're constantly changing so it's just going through change right now too but again so like it's a lifelong learning process just as most places you know you have to move with the times right Mm -hmm. and they really are the universities of the people right like so much scholarship is trapped behind paywalls not accessible um, to folks that aren't part of an institution, for example, um, and libraries through, you know, their different um, consortium relationship make every piece of information um, accessible to anyone with a library card. And I just, I think that's very powerful. Um, I don't want to get into how much I hate that everything's behind a paywall. Um, that's again, a conversation <laughs> for another day, but my, <laughs> my segue into fun informal learning opportunities Um, So I know a lot of us are feeling um, pretty cooped up. Some of us aren't getting the same, you know, physical activity um, that we would normally be used to, not able to access our, like, access our fitness classes or our gym in the way that we normally would. Um, And Instagram has really kind of come through with a lot of really neat things. So um, one of my very favorite people on Instagram is Nina Munoz. Um, N-I-N-A-M-U-N-O-Z. So she does um, workouts um, and it's all based on body weight. So you don't need to have like a weight. You don't need to have a ball. You don't need to have an elastic band thing, which none of those things I have at my house. I have like weights, that's it. Um, But I think Instagram has really given a really excellent, um, you know, platform for folks who... Um, have, you know, different fitness enterprises that they have um, to provide people with great free, um, you know, home workouts to kind of help us because I think many of us really experience that link between our physical health and our mental health. Um, And so Instagram's a great place to to find to find those folks. She's my favorite. Um, But also, you know, even if you go on YouTube, and you're like, I have 10 minutes, I want to do 10 minutes of yoga you can type yoga 10 minutes and get, you know, really great people who are doing this for free, you know, community, community scholars of the workout. Wow, realm. Are you marketing? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um and you know and get to take advantage of these things and I and I just I think it's so important that we you know like support these folks obviously but um that we are continuing to you know manage our routines as best we can and there's just a lot of really cool ways to do that um so I just I wanted to give a little bit of a, a thing I'm you know people know that I'm not a super worky outy person but that fitness is important to me um and you know and physical health is is important to me and and those are ways that I've been able to keep my brain in a place where it can even withstand some learning of the informal and formal <laughs> variety <laughs> you and I are using YouTube in two wildly different ways because I also <laughs> do enjoy informally learning on YouTube but never once never <laughs> once have I asked it to find me a yoga workout uh my favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite channel on YouTube is School of Life. No. Are you, are either of you familiar with that channel? Mm-mm. Okay, so School of Life is basically a philosophy channel, and it breaks little parts off into all different things. So it'll have, like, dating and romance. It'll have, like, philosophy. It'll have history. It will have whatever. And basically, they're just, like, 
normally like five to ten minute long animated uh, shorts on a particular topic. And it's such like the narrator of them is so soothing. I could just listen to the narration. I don't even need the picture. So sometimes I'll just play through a playlist while I'm working on something. But then they also have corresponding book series. So if you want to really get into School of Life, you can. And they're they're my absolute favorite. And you can find basically anything that you're interested. Are you interested in the Stoics? School of Life will tell you about them. Like, are you interested in, you know, romance and dating and heartbreak and growing up and all that kind of stuff? School of Life has it. I love School of Life and I could not love it more. And I also like, I always ruin the title of this. It's Kurtzgesagt. Do you guys watch those ones ever? Mm-mm. They're always animated also. And it'll take big, like, you know, theories or things that are happening. They did they did a whole uh, one on COVID and how it, how the, you know, the virus itself works or like what we know about it. But they also just do stuff about like, they did one about the great filter. They have one called the egg, which I would recommend to anyone, uh, which sounds weird. It's not about like eggs, eggs, um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's really good. And, and usually is basically a philosophical thought experiment in an animated digestible form. And I really like them. And I'm also obsessed with CNBC's like mini business documentaries. They're usually not more than 12 minutes. And it'll be like, why did, yeah, why did Taco Bell fail in Dubai? Well, let's, let's, let's find out. Let's do a podcast about that. Yeah, that's what I found (laughs) out this morning. So like, basically they have anything or they'll be like, you know, uh, why breakfast has never been a big thing on the Wendy's menu versus at, say, McDonald's. And like, what does that mean for their business Sounds very fast food related, Claire. Well, they have a lot of different ones, but I, I, I would go all in on a ones, I don't know just why. history of fast food podcast or, or something. I would, I'd be all about it. Like, um, <laughs> like, did you know KFC gravy was invented in Alberta? Yeah. And the Crow's Nose Pass. What? Yeah. That's, a, somebody, that's amazing. Somebody is going to like listen to this and be like, like, no, it's not. And then find some weird thing that I'm wrong, but I'm pretty confident. I'm confident enough to say it into a recording. <laughs> if he's wrong, he, yeah, he you can tweet him at Steve on Twitter. <laughs> Those are yeah. his own views on fast food. But I think YouTube generally, I don't know. I've been consuming a lot of YouTube in quarantine, commentary channels, learning channels, all types of stuff. I never... I think this is going to sound slightly like, where have you been? I didn't realize like how big YouTube actually was. <laughs> Cause I was always just watching like the same things. I would watch like Seth Meyers, a closer look. I would maybe watch like, not maybe I absolutely watched Trixie and Katya, <laughs> but like, I wasn't, you know, looking for CNBC's mini business documentaries. And now I could tell you all kinds of histories on all kinds of weird stuff. It's just, I like YouTube because it's free while well, you watch like ads or whatever. And if I'm watching your channel a lot, I am watching your ads. So you're welcome for my penny. <laughs> um, but like, it's a good way to, you probably could find stuff on Beluga Whales, for example. Like you can find anything on YouTube and it can just be, be part of 
whatever research that you're doing or whatever thing that you're into and you can you know cross-reference it with documentaries and articles and all that kind of stuff but I think YouTube is amazing but School of Life is my number one and I really feel like YouTube are, are you getting a commission from them yeah. like maybe that's your homework you really the ad-based system and tell us go look at I, it like just... I I, can't, well, I think if you were to make a Mount Rushmore <laughs> of, of um, formal learning, uh, then you got to you got to oh, put no. YouTube on there, like for sure. Um, it, uh, it is a it's right up there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I certainly have never. I don't think I've tackled a thing around my apartment uh, without YouTubing how to do it. As somebody that's horribly not handy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that's true too. It teaches you basically anything. Like I'm a crafty, like makery type person. But if you're like, I have no idea how to yeah. make this, someone else people. put it on YouTube. When Time you Magazine gave uh, you an air yeah. quote with you, the person of the year, the people that actually put this stuff on the internet, the content creators, yeah. that's who that award was for. That is not for me. <laughs> I'm a taker. That was I'm for not, them. I'm not a yeah. content giver. <laughs> no. Like I, I just yeah. consume. So I, I really appreciate whoever in 2012 posted to some esoteric message board whatever IT problem I'm having in the moment. That person, I owe. I owe them forever. Yes. Bless. <laughs> um, no, on that note, so Claire, true. should we move into uh, reading, watching, listening? I think we're there. Well, we definitely want to thank uh, Stephen Kwasney for coming on the podcast today. And Mary, thank you for our first co-hosting podcast together. As always, we are going to end with what we're reading, watching, and listening to. So Mary, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, you bet. So um, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to have um, a really solid weekend of reading. Um, and I read uh, a couple really good books. Um, one of them was called Wow, No Thank You um, <laughs> by, by Samantha Irby. So she is a uh, writer, obviously, and comedian and writes essays. So people that like um, like the Chelsea Handler style of book, and I'm not, you know, I that's the kind of style of book that I like, um, will love Samantha. Hilarious. Um, lots of conversation about her butthole, which I also thought was really funny. And... <laughs> Thank you for highlighting that on this Yes, podcast. I thought it was important. I was under the impression this was a different kind of podcast. <laughs> yes. I had to be really careful the kind of way I described that. Um, Did, was that you being careful? That was yeah. me being careful. Read the book. Um, yeah, so she's she writes really comedic essays. So if you're just wanting something super funny, um, I could not recommend the book more. I laughed hysterically um, in my backyard alone, and it was just really refreshing. Um, another book nice for your neighbors outside. Just yeah, like hearing exactly. random chuckling. They're lucky I wasn't reading sections out loud. Quite honestly, um, <laughs> it's very humorous. And then another one that I read last weekend that was excellent. Um, um, and Claire is going to just grind my gears about this because I was like, no, I don't want to read this, was it's called A New Model, and it's uh, an autobiography by Ashley Graham. So she is a uh, plus-size supermodel in the United States and has a really digestible um, autobiography that very, was very yeah. that was very enjoyable. Um, I'm not somebody that likes to get into those kinds of conversations, um, usually about, you know, um, 
body 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 image i struggle <laughs> yeah. with those conversations but i thought the book was a really um was really interesting she was very charming and dynamic and i would um, just like uh, to point out to the listeners at home that when mary called me for a bag of books because we did a socially distanced <laughs> drop off for a bag of books um i was like i'm gonna include this one and she's like i don't even want that at all and then i think it was the first book that you read it was it's really good yeah it was (laughs) it was good so okay okay um so watching um and i don't mean to steal anybody's thunder so others might want to talk about this too but i have a couple (laughs) that i recently um really really enjoyed one of them is bad education it is Uh, on hbo crave yeah. And it is about the biggest scandal of money, money theft through a school board. Um, it has Hugh Jackman in it as like Allison com- Janney too, and as like Allison Janney um, as completely unrecognizable, um, you know, to themselves characters. Really interesting story. I know it doesn't sound interesting, school embezzlement, but it is. <laughs> trust me, it's very good. Um, and then, of course, um, me, like everybody else uh, in North America, it feels I'm watching The Last Dance right now. Those of you that follow me on Twitter or know me in real life know that I have a huge affinity for sport documentaries and sport stories. And um, The Last Dance has just been absolutely incredible, um, you know, endearing uh folks like Dennis Rodman, who I feel like was like the villain of the nineties. Um, uh, very, very good. And lots of, lots of good, uh, you know, heartwarming, but also highly interesting pieces um, for those that are interested in sports adjacent story. Um, and then as far as listening to, I never have music for this part. Um, it's always it podcast. <laughs> it's always podcast, but um, there is a second season of a podcast that I liked a lot. Uh, it's called Against the Rules. It's hosted by Michael Lewis. Um, he is famous for writing both Moneyball and The Big Short. Um, he's a journalist and an author, and he hosts a tremendous podcast. The first season was about referees um, in the world, um, and not just sporting, but in all aspects of our lives, we have referees, and those referees are losing, um, losing their prominence. Uh, and the second season is about coaches and the privileged who benefit from coaching and, and those areas of our lives that could benefit from coaching that, um, you know, we never really get those, those opportunities to be coached in. And, and the first episode was about um, credit and credit cards, which I just thought was really interesting. So uh, Stephen, over to you reading, watching, listening. Yeah. Um, from the reading side of things, I just finished Malcolm Gladwell's talking to strangers. Um, oh, that's a good one. That was good. Uh, more, Topical for this conversation, I wanted to plug uh, Chuck Klosterman's But What If We Were Wrong? It's a a really, really interesting book about um, how people understand what they think they know. And Mm -hmm. and I think it's a uh, it's really fun. It's it's very it's very Chuck Klosterman, but it's also, I think, quite thought provoking in a in a uh, good way. in terms of watching, I'm I'm behind on the last dance, so no spoilers. Uh, but I'm <laughs> enjoying that. I mean, I know they win the championship, but uh, um, you know, in terms of how they get there, um, you know, there's that. Um, and then I've just been watching dumb Netflix. I've I've I needed I've needed the break. So, but what though? Oh, uh, you know what? Um, 
I I will admit I'm gonna I admit it. What's it called? I watched a couple episodes of Was it Too Hot to Handle? Is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> just, I watched the whole thing. The I'm here for it. This is like this is what I imagine when people say that like oh I'd love to know what my dog would say if it could talk. This is like an entire <laughs> island for golden retrievers and. And no knock again. I mean, I know there's no way to say that and not make it sound insulting, but I, I mean it in like this kind of endearing way of like, they just seem so happy doing things that I would never do. Um, right. So I've, I've enjoyed that. I, I'm, again, I'm behind, no spoilers, uh, but uh, I, I, I've taken a crack at that. Because, I mean, you got you got to get a break once in a while. It can't all be graham cracker Absolutely. history. Uh, and yeah. then listening to, uh, I'm going to plug... Um, a podcast called Bundyville, which is uh, oh, yes. going to be the complete opposite of what I just talked about. And it's a really interesting <laughs> deep dive into the the sort of rise of the alt-right in the United States and its connection to you know, uh, uh, specific branches of the Mormon church, uh, the Republican Party, uh, various different aspects of it. I thought it was quite fascinating. There's two seasons of that. I've really enjoyed it. And then on the music side, um, I've been really using this uh you know covid quarantine to uh both discover new music and dig into some old favorites so uh a lot of a lot of jack johnson weirdly enough and then uh and then on the new music side um found this australian artist like kind of pop uh artist named g flip that i uh, i've come to really enjoy um as well so weird I think you should tweet your music recommendations. Honestly, I get my best new music from you. No, you know what? Sometimes there's a, uh, some people have to pay for that. You know, it's uh, not, not all information can be free. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's for the people, I suppose. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll become a Twitter DJ there. Um, I no. love it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, that's my list. So what I've been reading is, so I got two new school of life, one on dating and one on heartbreak. I read the dating one. I'll read well, the heartbreak Claire. one. I know. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love stuff like that. It's really bad. And then on the flip side, I'm also reading, well, rereading a lot of my old Harlequins, which is that probably the flip side? You're in well, a moment. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm ha- like, it's just, it's very that right yeah. now. It's well, like, if you read so school of life is very much about the realistic sides of things so it's like realistic sides of dating like or like why maybe you're unsuccessful or why maybe when you're in a relationship maybe you're unhappy all that kind of stuff and then you read harlequins and it's just so unrealistic that i just love them so much and they just oh i stayed up way oh my gosh i stayed up way too late yesterday reading the uh brazilian uh billionaire's bargain or something like that it was so good oh my word i mean it so, can't be anyway. bad if it has an alliterative title it is I a love, three time you know, alliterative yeah harley <laughs> queens are always the best when they have alliterative titles i'm just gonna throw that out there and it's like a, i think it was like a 90s one so good but it's no 80s 80s are my favorite um i've been watching a lot of horror movies i don't know why this Dark. is a roller coaster yeah, I've been... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so Best case and worst case scenarios. No. Um, so yesterday I finally watched It Chapter Two. Mm. And it's almost three hours long. Mm. So if you had watched if I had watched both yesterday, it would have been like half my day basically. Um, but I watched It Chapter Two. It's almost three hours long. 
I cried a little bit at the end because I was like so beclimped for the characters. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. But yeah, so there's a part at the end and I was like, oh, they love each other. Anyway, oh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, geez, Claire. I thought it was a murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's also, yeah, there, the clown turns into a spider at one point. I was very upset by that. I was very upset by that. So I feel like someone should have told me that that was going to come. I can't do spiders and clowns together. Yeah. So, and then my favorite podcast is like, it's still Trixie and Katya's uh, podcast Um, because they're short and I've listened to them so many times that I just like having them on in the background. I just let them play through for however long they play through and I love them. But I also was sent um, Sam Harris's podcast. He had my favorite Sapiens guy on, Yuval Noah Harari. And they were talking about, well, basically what's going on in the world right now and what it could mean for people in the future and and all that kind of stuff. And he's my favorite. He was on Trevor Noah a few weeks ago too. And I just, I love that book, Sapiens. I've read all of his books now. So Sapiens, Homo Deus and 21 Centuries, or no, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. They're all good, but Sapiens holds a special place in my heart. So I really liked that Sam Harris podcast. So I will recommend that one. So yeah, basically... I don't know where my interests are. They're all over the place. That's why I can't do formal learning anymore. Um, murder and Harlequin are... Um, <laughs> I do love a good murder book, though. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do appreciate your appreciation <laughs> for romance. Um, I don't think I I've read like... a single romance novel in my life. And I think I'll that's okay. I'll not romance no, novels I if you read like... them the right way, you know? <laughs> That's yeah, true. I guess uh, true. Because most, <laughs> yeah, most successful stories have sort of romantic elements because it it gives you more for the characters, right? Even if it's just a super super subplot, like just think about a lot of action movies. Think about a lot of. I'm just gonna throw it out there. But anyways, I love romance, and now I feel like I need to, you know, give you some Harlequin that you should read. But anyways, that brings us to the end. So, Stephen, again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks I appreciate for having you me. taking the time. And Mary and I will be back uh, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> sounds weeks, good. And uh, we'll have something new at that time. So as always, if you want to tweet me, I am at what CCs. If you want to tweet the library, it's at RDPL. Uh, you can tweet Mary as well. Remember that she is the one who is giving you financial advice, not this. No, so, it's all green. Uh, you can tweet her. Yeah, you can tweet her at Emmajinsky. All green. And yeah, deep dive into that Graham Cracker tweet on Steve Kwasney's page. So at Steve Kwasney. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us again. So bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Claire. Thank Thanks, you. Steve. Perfect. Good job, guys. Thank you.